tonight, and we thank you also for uh, just being our God, revealing yourself to you and giving us the opportunity to say yes to you. And we continue to say yes, Father, to everything that you have placed before us. And Lord, we do thank you for allowing us the privilege and the honor of being your people. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So I thought I would speak some more um, where Brenda left off today and in some of the things that she mentioned and some of the things that the Lord spoke to me during her ministry and what he's been speaking to me recently about this being the year of perfected faith and uh, how that happens. In Genesis chapter 17, we see that in with Abraham. And you don't have to turn there because I'm not sure that's where we'll We'll settle tonight, but I did want to mention that. When God told Abraham to walk before him and be thou perfect, he said, you straighten up. That's what he was saying. Walk before me and be thou perfect. No longer, Abraham, what it is that you want to do. I have to know that you're partnering with me in this endeavor that I have here in the earth. God has always wanted us redeemed back to the fullness of relationship that he intended from the beginning. And we have to respect that. that This is why he sent his son. This is why Jesus endured such torture and such pain, such affliction, such, uh, such ridicule, the put down, humiliation, the shame that he bore for us. He bore so that God could have his way. In our lives again. He could show us his goodness once again. And God's original plan for man would be carried out in the earth. And God always intended for us to partner with him for his purpose. We were never created to just live life on our own apart from God. Sin did that. And once we're free from sin, we have to understand that our original purpose for being is reestablished. And this is a great struggle for us sometimes because oftentimes we're not aware that we've strayed away from God's purpose. We aren't aware how sometimes how far we are from where God wants us to be. And so when we have covenant with God, like Abraham had a covenant with God, God has to come back to us and remind us sometimes, you know, I want you closer to me. I want you to partner with me. I want you. I don't want you so far out there that you're doing your own thing. I don't want you to make any plans without me. I don't want you to um, make any kinds of, of understandings or, or uh, any kind of uh, implications or draw any kind of conclusions without consulting me and consulting my word. So when he said to Abraham to walk before him, he meant walk close to me. Walk where I can see you. Consult me in these things because I certainly want to guide you because that will be the best way. And so God has something very, very specific that he wanted Abraham to help him with in earth. And this would be a plan that would have humanity redeemed back to God. So God sees us as individuals, but he always has in mind something that will benefit the whole of humanity. He always does. And oftentimes we think, well, how can I do anything? How can I? Well, you can't do it without God's guidance and his leading. Sometimes we think we are so small, and we are. 
But when God begins to unveil his plan and we begin to walk in God's plan, then the plan unfolds and we find out there are great things that God has for us, much greater than we can ever see. And the only thing it takes is for us to just recognize that if we would seek God and say, God, I don't have an agenda. I feel that I want to be used by you. I feel like I want to, uh, you know, I've got these gifts. I've got this ability. I've got that ability. Or I've got this interest or that. And this is all I have to offer you. So if you will take that, I want to take that and sow that into you. I want to sow that into the spirit of God and into his kingdom. And God, if there's something you want me to do for the greater good of humanity, just let me know what that is. God's been speaking to us that he's honoring this kind of partnership. When Wyatt showed me the the uh, slide protector that he had invented, and he told me about, you know, just thinking, and, and just God gave him the idea, and, and he was so excited he could hardly keep, say the words. You know how sometimes when God's in something, you don't know how it happened, you do the best you can to explain it, and tongues won't even come out right, you know. You just have to say, I just... It's just God. And that's the awesomeness of God that he wants us all to abide in. And so that really blessed me to see now here's a manifestation of what God is saying. He wants all of his kids to walk in. He wants all of us to walk in that. And that is partnering with him, doing something specific that we know that God put that idea in us, that God put that thought there. He gave us that vision. He gave us that dream. He gave us not something that we created and made up, but it is 100% God. And so when God was dealing with Abraham, you all know the story, he had told Abraham that he was going to bless him with many children. And unto that time, Abraham and his wife had had no children. And so Abraham did what most of us do. We get excited about a prophecy or we get excited about a promise and we set about to do it ourselves. Because we always think that we can help God better than he can help us. Or we get anxious for it and we step out there and we see what what we can do. And sometimes it's okay, but there's some things about it we don't like. And we don't understand that with God, we'll get a second chance to do it the right way. Isn't that wonderful? So even though we step out on our own, and God doesn't condemn us for making mistakes, you can step out on your own and create anything. Huh? But when God, when you come back to God, he'll tell you, you know what, I still want you to do that. You still, I still believe in you. I still want your gift to get out there so that people can be blessed by it. I still want to partner with you in this thing. Or better yet, he wants us to partner with him. And what he wants us to do. And so when we do that, we have to recognize that God has something in mind for all of us that he wants done. And when Brenda was talking today about the sound of abundance, I think that's a real key to knowing when we're in the will of God. And knowing that God is is there with us. Because God does everything abundantly. The Bible says that it says to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. And that's the realm you want to live in all the time, the exceeding abundantly realm. Because that realm always has eternal consequences to it. 
Because if you have more than enough, if you have exceeding abundantly beyond all you can ask or think, then you can tap in to a place where God can use your abundance to bless other people. And that's where the plan of God really begins to unfold. It's in what you have being more than enough for you, more than enough for what you ever thought you would ever need. And so there must arise an overflow that will bless other people. People who are musicians and singers have relationship with God and they can, can minister unto the Lord. But when that gift is perfected enough, God will bring them out into the open. And that abundance and that overflow then can flow out and bless other people. Sometimes it won't be the gift that you thought it was going to be that will bring the most abundance and the greatness. huh? With Wyatt, he's a musician. He owns a, a music store. And he was planning that that music store would be, uh, be the source of the income. But God had other ideas. But he's using it in a related way. But he's got other ideas. Amen? So this is what we have to understand is that when it is given over to God, just trust him. He will never shortchange us. He will never disappoint us. It will be, though, the blessing of God. The abundance of God will come forth in your life, sometimes in a way that you least suspect it. But I believe we're headed toward uh, an area of abundance. I think there are some things that we know need to be put to death. There are some things that we know need to be laid down, and there are some things that we know have to be put aside so that God can have his way. In Abraham's life, it was Ishmael. Remember the child that he had with the maidservant? And after the maidservant was pregnant with the child, her attitude changed toward Abraham's wife. So now he's got trouble in his home, and he doesn't know exactly what to do with it, but he seems to be somewhat stuck. But even with that, 12 years later, God decides that he wants to give them their own son still. So God's plan never changes based on how well we foul up our own plan. Huh? Just because we made a mistake or we've erred or we've gone off on our own direction has nothing to do with the fact that God still wants to use us. Because his vision For our latter end came before we ever started any of this stuff. Whether we've walked well before God or whether we've messed some things up, his his vision and his plan for us never change. And isn't that wonderful? We always get an opportunity to step in to what God has ordained for us, no matter what has gone before. Whenever we turn our face toward the Lord and we say, here am I, Lord, send me, and I'm ready to do it right this time. You know, when all of the the Ishmaels have left and and that's not satisfying anymore, that's when God will use us. So he's ready to use us any time we're ready to yield to him. And it's never too late to yield to God. He's never finished with us. He never discards us because of, of where we failed in the past. He's always willing to work with us. And he always has that good and perfect plan for us if we will fall in line with that good and perfect plan. And so when you want to step into abundance, there are some things that you have to do. There are some steps that you have to follow so that you can step into the abundance. And so we talked a little bit today about some of those things, but I'm going to go back to First Kings. And we'll go through this scripture a little different detail, a little different way uh, than Brenda took us today so that we will see what's important for us to God, for God to do right now. What's important for us? 
What's important for us? We talked about the the fact that uh, Elijah was running from King Ahab. He kept himself hidden from the wicked forces that would try and destroy him. And one of the things that you have to realize is that God expects you to live a separated and consecrated life. And that doesn't mean you're some weird person living off by yourself, but the word of God is what separates you from the world. So you live a life expecting to hear from God, expecting to hear for him through his word and living out the word and having the word hidden in your heart so that God can always speak to you. So Elijah had to run from King Ahab, number one, to preserve his life, but also to preserve the word of the Lord. When you have the word of the Lord on the inside of you, you don't mix with every kind of company. You can't fit in with every kind of group. And so that word will separate you and keep you separated. And as long as you have the word of God in you, it will cause greater and greater separation between you and the world. So Elijah here is fleeing, coming and going and disappearing. But what he started out with was a prophecy that he gave. And he said that, It was not going to rain for three years. The Bible even says Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. But he prayed earnestly that it didn't rain for three years and it did not rain for three years. And he also reported that when it did rain, it would only rain at his word. And as we were sharing today, Ahab, one of the reasons he was looking for Elijah was to get him to prophesy for him. Get him to change what God had put in his heart. And see, this is what it, the way it is in the world. The situations that we come against every day are designed to get us to change the word of the Lord in us. Every temptation you face, every situation you get into is a challenge for you. Are are you going to stay with the word of the Lord or are you going to switch it? Are you going to change? Are you going to compromise in in order to be able to get along with the world? So Ahab represents the intimidation of the world system that comes against the believer. The material things that get put before us that we desire. All of these things will come to tempt us to change what God has told us, to change our focus, to change the direction God wants us to do, to change the word of the Lord that's been put on the inside of you. Joyce Meyer reports that God told her some things about how he was going to use her, and there were people that she knew that she told, she shared it with them, and they discouraged her. Oh, God can't use you, and that must not be God. He can never use somebody like you like that. And so it just happened that she made up her mind to stay with the word of the Lord. She shut the word up inside of her and allow that word to work. And all she did was be obedient. She focused on being obedient to God. So there is all kinds of situations out here to get you to change your focus from obedience to God to some distraction or something else in your life. It's always going to be there. So Ahab represents the distraction of the world, the intimidation of the world. The desire that sometimes we have inside of us for the things that belong to the world. And so if we will stay focused and shut the word of the Lord up on the inside of us, then we can carry that word into its just conclusion. And then we will reap the reward of the abundance that God wants to have for us. Abundance will not come until we obey the word of the Lord. It will not come 
outside of obedience to the word of the Lord. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, in verse 1, it says that Elijah prophesies that it will, there will neither be rain nor dew all those years, but according to his word. And then the word of the Lord came to him and told him how he would be provided for. And this is interesting because the, the prophet and the, the body of Christ has to lead the way in these things. And we have to lead the way in supernatural provision. And you see here Elijah is told by God that he will be sustained supernaturally. First it's a brook with some birds that bring him food every day. So that's supernatural provision. So Elijah represents people needing to focus on the fact that God is your source. Crop is not your source. The rain is not your source. Nothing is your source except God. And he means that. He allowed the prophet to live beside the brook. Just, I guess God was just being nice to him and easing him into the fact that there's a drought. But you know, when there's a drought, it takes time for the brook to dry up. The hot sun will eventually cause all the water to evaporate. And so he's sitting there by the brook and he's probably watching the brook every day and wondering when he's going to have to be tested again. Don't be surprised if you go from test to test. In God. You think, well, you know, one day we're going to get on easy street and we won't have to worry about money. And that may last for a while and then you're right back worried about money again. Why is that? Because God wants your total focus off of natural things as your source and onto him as your source. And sometimes we'll believe God is our source for a season and we get distracted. Huh? When we get some of the world's wealth, we'll start to get excited and get distracted and we just get our focus so much on the natural, we pick it back up again. And we start looking at the natural things as our source. Your job is not your source. I told somebody recently, I said, the only reason you have a job is so that you can get material resources to sow into God's kingdom. Hmm? That's the only reason. You are on that job to get material resources to sow into your father's kingdom so that you can draw an inheritance that will help things down here on earth. God doesn't need the world's wealth. He's way above that. And so what we have to deal in it because we live down here on earth. And so as we begin to understand God is our source and disconnect ourselves from what we see in the natural, we don't care if the brook dries up. Because God will create whatever he needs to create for us to get it. He'll get it. You don't care. Are they threatening to fire you at your job? That job's not your source. They will have you come in early, leave late, jump through hoops, and still fire you. Huh? And so we have to understand that nothing is our source except God. And see, the enemy wants to get us, get our focus off God as our source and get us to worship something less than God. And this is what had happened in, in Israel during that time. So the drought happens. Elijah is, is, is sustained by the brook and the ravens, and then the brook dries up. And then God promotes him to being sustained by a widow. <laughs> huh? Now widows have less than the brook does. Huh? 
So I'm sure he's not really elated about this, but God tells him that this this widow will sustain him. And so he was sustained many days in that situation. So just as you're being tested that that God that God is your source, the prophets are being tested that God's their source too. Because they have to go through with the people. They are just as much a part of what God is doing as you are. And they will be tested just like you will be tested. I have to go through what I have to go through just like you do. Being a minister doesn't insulate you from it. And you don't get some special edge because you know a few more scriptures maybe than somebody else. And so we have to go through just like you have to go through. And whenever I get to looking at what I possess as my source, here comes God disconnecting me from it. Giving me something to do that's going to challenge me that this is not my source. He is my source. And if I will depend on him to direct me to the source that he wants me connected into right now, then I will prosper and it will be well with me. But if I get attached to anything other than him, I'll soon find out that that is not my source because it's going to dry up if I depend on it. And so God wants us free from all of the entanglements of the world so that we can know that he is our source. So after a while, Elijah comes in verse in chapter 18. We see where the famine <clears throat> is not going to last any longer and the famine is, is coming to an end. In chapter 18 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Show yourself to the enemy first, and I will send rain. Go confront your fear of lack, and I will send rain. Go confront your employer who wants to try and intimidate you all the time and I will send rain. God sends abundance will we confront the things that keep us bound to the earth. God wants us free. He always wants us free. If a job is hindering you from doing the work of the ministry that God's called you to do, you need to confront it so that you can get free. If you just have a fear that if you take too many days off or something like that to work for God, that that job won't be there, you've got to confront that in order to get into God's abundance. It's just that way. He will not have you bowing down to anything or anyone but him. And he means it. See, this is why we find ourselves struggling sometimes. You know, we're, we're sweating bullets because we need to be at our job and we don't know if we can take this off. We don't know if we can take that, all of this kind of stuff, because we're tending to look at that as our source and we're bowing down to that instead of looking at God as our source and say, God, I don't care if that, that job goes bye-bye tomorrow. As long as I'm free to worship you, that's what's most important to me. Because you're my source of joy. You're my source of life. You're my source of peace. You're my source of comfort. The Bible says, is not life more than food and clothing? Huh? And he says, Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. They don't worry about where they work. They don't worry about anything. And God clothes them better than, he, than you clothe yourself. And their clothes only last a couple of days. They shrivel up, wither, and die. And they're gone. And God arrays them so beautifully. And so he says, consider that you are worth more than many sparrows. Consider your worth to God. Consider your worth 
to the Father. Consider that you are worth more than anything God's ever created on this earth. And you'll get just a glimpse of how important it is to God to provide for you and provide abundantly for you. So you don't have to be a slave to anything. You don't have to be a slave to a system. You don't have to be a slave to anything. But you've got to confront that enemy that wants to enslave you in order to get free from it so that you can do what God wants you to do. And that is not to mean that you can sit around and be slothful. God has employment and a job for everybody. But you can't be afraid to confront the, the restrictions that are placed on your life by an employer that doesn't want to give you freedom. If you don't find favor there, there's always a better place for you. If you have favor at a job and it seems to dry up like the brook dried up, you need to pray about maybe there's another better situation for you somewhere. Well, you know, I've got so many years invested and I got retirement. Baby, the way they do these companies now, somebody might be spending your retirement. A CEO might be buying mansions right now with your money and you'll never be able to see a penny of it. And maybe God is shaking you loose from that so that you won't be there with the Enron people and the bitterness and the fallout that they have to go through. And so we have to understand that when God is our source, he has all wisdom. He has all knowledge. He has foreknowledge. He knows what's coming. And he wants to protect us. And he wants us to keep us in a place where we have abundance at all times. So in verse 1, it says that God is saying that he's going to send rain on the earth. That's 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. And Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. So he's got to be obedient to the word of the Lord. And there was a sore famine in Samaria. He called Obadiah, who was the governor of his house. And Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So Obadiah has been hiding out these prophets who have been living supernaturally. They've been sustained some kind of way by God. See, the prophets that hid with Obadiah recognized that God was their source. Prophets of Baal did not recognize that God was their source. So they had prophets that would prophesy good and stick with God and prophets that would prophesy evil. And Ahab wanted to kill all the prophets that prophesied the word of the Lord. And that's why they were being hidden by Obadiah. See, there are some times when the word of God is free-flowing And it's very much evident for us and it's easy to grab on the word of God. And there are some times when the word of God is not so easy to grab onto. Sometimes we may struggle and not understand the answer to a situation that goes on for a long time. But it will eventually come because God has the word of the Lord somewhere for you. It might be hidden from you because you tend to look in the natural all the time. You're looking in the wrong places for your answer from God. But it will certainly come. And so these prophets that prophesied for the Lord were being hidden from the world or hidden from the evil forces that had come to destroy them. But there comes a day when these things have to be confronted and there comes a showdown that God will have to have between you and the forces that keep you in lack, keep you in poverty, keep you from getting the fullness of what God wants for you to have. It just has to be that way because God is never afraid of anything that we're afraid of. He wants his kids to be free. He wants us to be able to confront things and overcome them with his power and with his anointing. Because he wants to break us out into something greater than we have ever been before. Than we've ever been before. And so here God 
begins to tell Ahab, Elijah that he has to go and confront Ahab. Elijah tries to enlist the help of Obadiah the prophet, who is very reluctant to do it, because he knows that Elijah has been hiding himself from Ahab, and he thinks if he gets involved in this, then he's going to be set up for a fall himself. So Obadiah, even though he has been working for God secretly, now he's got to get outed, just like Elijah. huh? He's got to come out of the closet. He's got to line up with God in in real. He's got to do it out in the open now. He's been the closet Christian at the job where everybody knows you're a Christian, but you've never been put on front street before. And so sometimes that's what God wants you to do in order to confront that and get abundance into your life. And so here it is that Obadiah has been asked to come out. And so he has to go with Elijah. He has to present himself to Ahab on Elijah's behalf and he's afraid to do it he says I know what's going to happen he says you're going to disappear again but Elijah hears a sound that Obadiah doesn't hear because he's the first one to be able to turn the famine around and turn the drought around he hears a sound in his hearing that Obadiah doesn't have the ability to hear just yet but pretty soon if everybody will obey the prophet of God they will all hear that sound of abundance because as soon as as Elijah began to hear that there was that the famine was over that sound of abundance of rain started to ring in his heart and so this is what's driving him now see that sound of abundance will make you confront an evil boss When you get wind of what God really has for you, nothing will stop you from going forward to get it. See, You won't even fear that your your job is in jeopardy anymore. You won't care anymore. You say, you know what? I've heard the sound of abundance already, and I know it's coming for me. And see, nothing is going to stop me from abundance. Devil, you can't deceive me anymore by telling me this as far as I'm ever going to go in my life. Because I hear the sound of abundance in my heart. I hear God telling me there's something better for me. I hear that he's prepared something great for me already, and it's laid up for me. And so I don't care what I have to destroy, tear down, kick doors down, whatever I have to do, I'm going after the sound. And I'm not going to stop until I find where that sound is coming from and get to the real source, which is my God and what he's prepared for me. And so here we see Elijah in verse 17. Ahab and Elijah meet. So Obadiah is spared. He sees that this is pretty good. Hmm, I can confront Elijah and live. Huh? I can confront uh, Ahab and live. So Obadiah takes the message to Ahab that Elijah is coming to see him. In verse 18, he says, I have not troubled Israel but you and your father's house and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed after Balaam. So Elijah's job is to confront the source of the lack in that land. And that is King Ahab. And this is a tall order because the king is powerful. He can send horses and chariots after him. He can send his men. He runs everything. There's a King Ahab in everybody's life. There's somebody you've got to confront that if you confront them, you either risk losing everything or God's going to show up real big on your behalf. Huh? So if you don't lose it all by confronting this thing, God's going to come through real big for you. 
But the sound of abundance is in you somewhere is telling you there's something better for you. There's something bigger for you. You know it's there somewhere. But you've got to break through some walls and some barriers in order to find it. Verse 19, now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450, the prophets of the grove 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So when you confront the lack, when you confront the deception, you confront what you thought was the source in your life, God wants you to get every single bit of it out of your life. You don't keep the little bits that you like. You don't keep the little parts that you thought were feeding you. You have to tear down the whole thing. Because God will not come in and do big things for you with even a little bit of deception. Even a little bit of loving the world. Even a little bit of holding on to something that you've been depending on. Something that you thought was fun. Something you thought was wonderful. He doesn't want any of it in your life. He wants 100% devotion. 100% commitment from you and 100% of your life and your attention. And so in verse 20, Ahab sent to all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets unto Mount Carmel. Now all this time, Elijah has been running from Ahab and Ahab's been trying to find him to make him prophesy. But at the word of, of God, this comes forth and now the prophets got the king obeying him. Hmm? Uh, You try confronting that mean boss of yours one time and tell him that you're going to serve God no matter what. Tell him you're going to have your time off this crazy job. So whoever heard of something, you can't take a day off to go worship God. But see, now they're intimidating Christians left and right. You know, we're so afraid to to demand anything anymore. But see, one day you're going to stand up and tell that crazy boss, you're going to go up somewhere and worship God. And you know what? You're going to pay me for taking the time off. Huh? Amen. That's favor, folks. It's not unheard of. God, people do it for God's people all the time. He will open doors of favor for you. You're not a, a beggar anywhere you go. I don't care if you're the last person hired. You're not, you're not a worthless servant. You're not worth less than the person who stands next to you on that job. You are worth ten hired servants is what God's word says. And so you have to understand your worth and your value there. And you have to understand that God wants you to confront this mentality of I'm not worthy or I'm not capable or I have to bow to this thing. So Elijah came to all the people and he said to them, how long will you halt between two opinions? So the problem really is not in most Christians. The problem is not that we don't love God. It's that we love other things too. So we're double-minded in that respect. He says, how long will you halt between two opinions? Most of the time we can't make up our minds to be totally devoted to God. We're afraid we're going to turn into somebody we either don't like or don't want to be like. You know, somebody. (laughs) when you first get saved, God, please don't send me to Africa to be a missionary. That's what everybody says. And see, we're afraid that if we will turn to God 100%, we're going to turn into somebody that we're not going to like. Or we're going to turn into somebody that's going to be hard for us. We're not going to like our life anymore. We're not, but I'm telling you, when you turn 100% to God, you open a door that's never been opened to you in your life before. 
You won't believe how wonderful your life is. You won't believe how everything immediately comes together. Things you used to struggle and worry about are not there anymore. But most people have their hearts divided. They can't make up their minds. If I go 100% for God, what will that do to the rest of my life? See, I love God, but I've got this to do. I've got that to do. I've got that to do. I want to do put God first in everything, but. And that's halting between two opinions. And see, God wants us to kill the part of us that still wants to move other things in the place of God, other things. I'll do, I'll do this for God. But you know what? I just can't get the time off. I, I used up all my vacation days. Doing what? Chasing things that weren't God. You certainly weren't worshiping God with them days off. I don't know too many people take a day off work and say, I'm just going to get in my prayer closet and pray all day. Right? So you were doing something that was away from God anyway. And so we have to understand that when we come full force into God and quit halting between two opinions, then we will see that sound of abundance will begin to come to us greater and greater. And so he says, Ahab said to all the children of Israel, how long will you halt between two opinions? Verse 21. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people didn't answer a word. Why? Because they were confused. They didn't even know who God was anymore. Sometimes you can't tell. If you're caught up in the things, the affairs of this life, you can't remember the last time you had a clear word from God. So you turn on TV and watch Oprah, you know, or something like that, just to dope up your mind a little bit more. Because, and you can remember a time when you used to spend so many hours in the word so many hours worshiping so many hours doing this so many so much time doing that and your life was filled with god but see you can stray off of that you can get distracted you can get distracted distracted by doing what you think is god's will for you huh and so god needs to pull us back into the center of where he wants us to be and that's all the the prophet is doing here and he says and elijah said to the people I, even only I, remain a prophet of the Lord, and Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, lay it on wood, put no fire under it, and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no, no, uh, no fire under it. So here is the showdown. We're going to see whose God is real. Sometimes you may be threatened with the loss of things just so that you will choose God's way, take a stand, tough it out, and see that God will show up. The God who answers by fire, he's God. Fire represents consuming the things that don't help you in your life. It means eating up the things. Sometimes it will mean loss of a relationship you thought was so wonderful. Huh? When God shows up, whatever is consumed by the fire is something that wasn't going to help you at all. And so God wants to answer by fire to make sure that your life is purified in such a way that he is on the throne of your heart and only he is on the throne of your heart. Hmm? So he told him, he said, don't put any fire under this sacrifice. He says, you call on the name of your gods and I'll call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, let him be God. 
And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So they wanted to know who the real God was. They were so confused. They'd been searching and, and serving Baal, and there's so much drought and famine anymore. They don't know what to hear the voice of God is sometimes a mystery for people. Sometimes you can be so confused with circumstances and pressured by circumstances. You think God spoke to you, but then when you obeyed that voice and got out there, there was nothing there for you. And so God has to pull you back into a place where he's purified your heart and straightened out your mind so that you can hear his voice the right way again. And sometimes it only comes through a famine, through not being able to get all your hands on all the things that you want to get them on all the time. Sometimes the fact that you don't have abundance relates to the fact that there's so many things in your heart. You don't know which way to go. You don't know which voice to follow. But God will get it straightened out. He has a way to get you on the right road and the right track. Sometimes people say, well, I want to obey God, but the last time I stepped out, it didn't seem like God was there. It didn't seem like it worked out. And we'll get discouraged and think that we can't hear the voice of God clearly. We can't know for sure where God is. But God has a way to get it straightened out so that we can hear his voice. And his voice is always leading us toward abundance. It's never leading us to more lack. If God is going to bring them out of this famine, he's going to bring them out and he's going to bring them out with a high hand. So God's voice always leads you to better things. It always leads you to greater things. It always leads you to greater peace, greater security, greater understanding. It's always greater. It's greater in all areas. His blessings are without sorrow. So we don't have to fear serving God and following God because everything will line up the right way because he has abundance for everybody. Sometimes in a, in a family situation, we may feel we have to choose between uh, who's going to get blessed this time. Sometimes we look at our resources and say, well, I may be able to get this for myself, but I won't be able to get as much for the children as I would like to get. Or something. Don't you know when you hear the sound of abundance in God's voice, there's plenty for everybody? There's no lack. He will make everybody blessed and happy in the situation. So we don't ever have to choose between am I going to be happy or my husband going to be happy. If he's happy, the kids and me are going to be upset. We, God has a plan and a way to get everybody in the flow of his abundance. And he will maneuver you to that place where when he pours out, there's rain on everybody. When he pours out, there's no lack on anybody in your situation. He loves your family more than you do. And he has a way to get everybody satisfied, everybody happy. But you've got to confront these false things in your heart. You've got to confront your own ideas. You've got to confront your own way of thinking. You've got to confront your own comfort sometimes. Sometimes if God could bless you where you are, you'd be blessed already. And he may tell you you've got to move. You've got to change some things. You've got to get up and do some things differently. Hmm? Sometimes we can be on our way running after the sound of abundance and get distracted by something that used to entice us and we used to like huh? and turn off and go the wrong way when God's been leading us toward his abundance all the time. His abundance always comes in confronting the things of the flesh and confronting the things of carnality. And so he says the God that answers by fire, he's God. So you got to know that when you confront things that are standing in the way between you and abundance, that something's going to have to give. Something's going to have to go. Somebody's gonna, something's going to have to fall by the wayside. Verse 
6, they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning, evening till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. So when God, when you begin to confront the carnality in your life, you confront the complacency, whatever it is that's standing between you and God, whatever affection that you've latched onto, that you like, and God says it's enough of that. Whatever your Ishmael is that you need to to put out of your life, whatever that is, when you begin to confront it, God will show up. And in that voice will get dimmer and dimmer and the voice of God will get louder and louder. When they began to call on Baal, no response came. And that's what God wants. He wants to silence the voices that usually console us. And keep us in bondage. And keep us from going forward. He wants to make all of that silent. And make it of none effect in our lives. And so when God begins to deal. When we stand up and we confront. Whatever it is that we're holding on to. That's blocking the abundance that God wants to have for us. God will silence that voice. So it will be heard no more. And then God will put us into a new place. Where we begin to hear his voice. And it comes louder and louder. And so Elijah mocked them and told them, your God must be asleep. Why don't you call louder and wake him up? Then they decided maybe our God wants us to give some of our blood as a sacrifice. So they cut themselves. And verse 29 came to pass when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. So there was no response from the enemy. There was no response. See, when, when, when that is part of God's mercy, when you begin to confront the things that stand between you and God, God will help you out by silencing those voices so that you can't be confused anymore. Because, see, you've made your choice. You decided, God, you're Lord. You're, you're the one that I want to serve. And you confront that thing and you make up your mind that it's God that you want and only God will speak. He's sovereign. He won't let the devil speak up and give you some false information and he stands idly by. God will step right up to the plate. But he wants you to get tired of the way you've been going about things. He wants you to want to turn over a new leaf and trust him 100% once and for all. And he says here, Elijah then, in verse 30, said, All the people come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. God has to repair some things in us sometimes before we can hear the sound of abundance. He's got to repair your thinking. He's got to get you prepared for total service to him. Sometimes it's got reestablishing some old patterns that you used to have when you first met Jesus, how devoted you were. Sometimes that needs to come back in your life. I know recently he's told me to start praying an hour in tongues. And you know, sometimes it's the hardest thing just to get started. But once I'm started, then I'm in there. But it's so hard sometimes to break yourself out of what whatever it is that I'm doing. It's like it's real important, right? You know, all I do is just roll over in the bed or get up and do this or do that. And it's, you know, that's like a hard thing for me to let go of that. Come on now. It's not hard. But it's something, it's because it's a habit. It's something that I have to get into my life again anew. 
And I've got to establish that altar, that place of worshiping God, that place where I used to give him first place, that place where I used to not let anybody disturb that. I've got to get that back and grab that back again. And so he rebuilt the altar that had been torn down. Verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord Israel shall be thy name. So he had to take the people all the way back to where God first found them. He had to let them know that you're not Jacob anymore, you're Israel. Jacob means thief, trickster, deceived one, supplanter. Huh? Israel means one who strives with God and prevails into God. So he wants the people to recognize that you were once worshipers of God. You were once people who were 100% devoted to God. And now you're sitting around and you don't know if God is God or if Baal is God. So you need help. And so he brings them back to the place where they first found the Lord. And he erects the 12 stones. And with the stones he built an altar, verse 32, in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the birth sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The water ran around about the altar and filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass, it came to pass at the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at thy word now why would God want all of those things done when God prescribes a sacrifice is for a specific reason number one reestablishing the altar means that God wants you to do this on a permanent basis hmm? so many times when we're living just in a, a narrow kind of marginal way with God we're not doing things consistently enough And this is part of the problem. God wants us to build an altar represents we're going to establish a routine now. We're going to establish a regular thing. We're going to establish a new order. And this is going to be a permanent change. It's not going to be like it was in emergency times when we get hard up for something and we'll go and fast and we'll pray real hard for and get on our confession and believe God and get three people to agree with us and let's go forward and get out of the trouble and then go back to what got us in the trouble. God says, uh-uh, we ain't playing like that no more. You're going to walk before me and be thou perfect, which means you're going to straighten up and this is going to be a permanent thing in your life. We're going to get some habits reestablished in your life and some new ones and make you stronger in me this time. And you are not going to waver. You're not going to falter because I want you to be 100% successful. I want you to have abundance in everything because I've got more to do in your life than just pay your bills, take care of your kids, get you a house, get you some cars, get you some shoes. And provide some emergency seats so that they won't cut your gas off. Huh? He says, I don't want, I never ordained for you to live like that. 
He said, you look in my word and see if I ever told you you would just barely get by or you would have to struggle. I never told you to expect me to do you like that. He said, and as a matter of fact, I'm getting tired of having my name called on in emergency fashion. Why don't you call me every day? You won't have no emergencies. If you'll worship me every day and establish something in your life where I'm on the throne of your heart at all times. And every time you think of something, you think of my word. Every time you want something, you want my word. Every time you desire something, God, is this what you want for me? He said, if you'll make up your mind to live like that, then you'll hear the sound of abundance. And you'll hear it all the time. And you'll pursue that sound. You won't be pursuing barely enough. You won't be pursuing just get by. huh? Some people have such an ingrained habit that when they start to get more, they back away from it. huh? I'm telling you, people who, who aren't diligent and don't have it in them and expect abundance from God... I mean, money gets allergic to you after a while. It comes after your expectation. And if you, you start, you'll see it with people sometimes. They'll start to prosper some. And then they'll kind of like hang back off of it like you could have too much of anything. You understand what I'm saying? If you've got too much, find out why God gave you too much for you. And start doing some things that God wants to have done with it for a change. The same thing with your time. You shouldn't have any idle time in your life. It should all be filled up with the things that God wants you to do. Hmm? And so we have to understand that God wants us to have abundance. It was never his plan for us to have poverty, lack, live from paycheck to paycheck. It's all in your expectation. It's all in what you hear. It's all in what you hear the voice of the Lord saying to you. So he's reestablishing worship in our hearts. That's number one. Putting God first place. Put no fire under the sacrifice. That means quit helping God. Huh? Quit putting your ideas into his head. Quit going to him with your plans and asking him to co-sign everything. Huh? The fire has to fall from heaven, folks. He doesn't need our little false fire to go ignite a sacrifice and say, well, God, you know what I thought I'd do, God? I'm, I want so-and-so and such-and-such, and maybe if I sow this seed, I'll be able to. Huh? He wants to provide the fire. Hmm? When the fire went out in the temple that God had, you know, the first altar that was built that the people of God worshipped on, the fire came down supernaturally from heaven, and that fire had to be tended by the priests. And if that fire ever went out, the people had to find out what they had to do to please God again to get the fire started again. And so the fire had to come from heaven in order for that sacrifice to even be consumed. It couldn't come from man. If it had come from man, it would not have been consumed and it would not have turned those people's hearts around. The people would not have known God was there. So really what Elijah is doing is he's stirring up a revival in these people. He is reestablishing worship. They have gone so far away from God, they don't even understand the purpose of the altar. They don't understand the purpose of the stones. So he has to refresh their memory in the things of God. That's why when we get together, we have testimonies. 
That's why when we get together, we share the things of God, the past experiences that we've had of God. Because at any moment, we can drift away in our thinking from where God wants us to be. And so he always wants us to be reestablished and refreshed in exactly who he is. Remember when we had that situation that came up and God came through for us. And he wants our hearts stirred on the inside with the goodness of God and understanding. And it pulls us away from being concerned about the day-to-day things that would keep us distracted from the will of God. And so God begins to gather these people together under his authority and to hear his voice once more. So when God lights the fire, that's a sign of revival in the hearts of the people. And so he began to have the prophet do this thing and pour the water out over the fire. Now what does the water represent? Well, the water is what they need. So why are they pouring it out? Because it's not enough for everybody. So they have to trust God. The water sacrifice is showing, the, showing God that we trust you as the source of all water. And in order to prove it, we're going to take all the available water that we have and pour it out to you. Pour it as an offering to you. Pour it out to you to show you that we are trusting you 100%. Sometimes God will have you say, well, you know, I was able to do the $2,000, uh, you know, uh, challenge or pledge the last time, so I'm going to do it again. Well, maybe you need to do more. Pour it all out to him and show him that he, you're trusting him as your source. I'm telling you, some of the things that are easy for us to do are not our faith. They're just natural things where we know we got it tucked away somewhere. We got it under a pillow somewhere. We know we're expecting an income tax. So that's not really the faith that God is after. Sometimes he wants us to pour everything that we have into this offering for him so that we can, he can know that we trust him as our source. So when you want revival to come, when you want to hear the sound of abundance, you have to empty yourself of everything that you're trusting in. If those people had held on to that water, God would never have shown up in the way that he did. Elijah needed to do something that was going to totally end the drought period. And God had the prescription for what he needed to see the people offer him so that he knew they trusted him as their source once again. The reason they had a drought is because they were living out of their own faith, living out of the natural, trusting in what they could see. And so there comes a point where you've got to show God, listen, I am not trusting in anything. And to prove it, I'm going to let it go and walk away from it totally. Hmm? Sometimes that's necessary in order for God to know where our heart is. So you need to find out what it is God wants you to do. What it is you need to disconnect from? To show God that you trust him totally. What is it that you need to just let go of to show God you trust him totally? What do you need to confront? What do you need to say no to? What do you need to ask God to take the desire from it out of your heart to show him that you trust him totally? And so here the prophet pours the the water on the sacrifice. The water is a necessary offering so that they can get water. What you give, you get. What you offer to God, he takes it, increases, and gives you more of. And so they were able to pour out the proper sacrifice at the prescription of God. Now, the, the Baal's servants didn't know what the appropriate offering was. They didn't know the appropriate sacrifice. Only God's people know what to offer up to God so that they can get abundance. And so here we see the prophet 
calling on God. And he said, the God that answers by fire, he is God. And in verse 37, he says, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their heart back again. And so the prophet was there to not only respond to God in a greater way in his own life, but to turn the hearts of many people back to God. And this is what he wants us to do. Whenever you make a confrontation of carnality in your life and things you're depending on in your own life, you have the the ability then to turn the hearts of many people back to God. Sometimes we don't know what it's going to take to win certain family members. huh? In Brenda's case, she had to leave everything that she had in order to even so see that she's not sure that family members haven't responded yet, but they know. They've been shown the way. And she had to uproot herself and leave everything that she knew was secure in order to run the risk of winning the hearts of some relatives who were so far from God and backslidden that they run the risk of losing everything that they have in God. So you don't know what it might cost you just to win one soul or two souls. It might cost you everything. But I'm telling you, if you will confront your dependence on what you see with your own visible eye, you will go from seeing to hearing. And that's what the prophet did. God has to take us some time from seeing to hearing. We see too much. What you see in the natural is not faith. Because faith has to deal with what is unseen. And many times we are so blinded by what we see with our natural eyes and it's so tempting to us that we're so caught up in that that God has to take us from seeing into hearing. He has to use a different level of our senses just to give your eyeballs a rest. He'll turn on your ears and that's how he'll begin to speak to you. Not through your eyes anymore, but through your ears. And so here the prophet, it says, When the fire of God fell, in verse 38, consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. That fire was so hot it burned up the stones of the altar that it was placed on. So God get rid of everything and start something new. God take all of this stuff and start something new. So don't be surprised if God gets rid of all of it, revolutionizes your life, turns it upside down and puts you on a new course altogether. Because in changing what he wants you to have, he has to change who you are and what you depend on. And so Elijah said to them, and take the prophets of Baal and let let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them to down to the... the um, down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. So the Lord wants to kill everything that we have depended on in the past. He reestablishes worship. He changes the hearts of people. And he begins to tear down and destroy everything that we have depended upon. And he will silence the voices of the things that have tempted us away from him. He will get you so far away from the things that are a distraction that you'll feel like you're in a new place again. And that's where he wants you, in a new place. And in verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, Get you up and eat and drink. It's time for rejoicing now, because I hear the sound of abundance. He said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So God took them from what they were dependent upon to getting them into a place where they're beginning to hear something different. 
And he says, Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went to the top of Carmel and cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So in the past, people were dependent upon things that they could see in the natural. God took those things away. And now he's keeping them from seeing anything. And now they can only hear. So he has to take everything that you don't look for a confirmation, in other words. Don't look for God to show you huh, that he loves you. Don't look for anything. You're going to have to depend totally on just the voice of the Lord inside of you, guiding you and leading you and reassuring you that he's with you. Sometimes you won't see a confirmation in the natural for many days after you've prayed for something. Because God has to take you your eyes off of the natural and what you see because you've been depending on it too much. And he has to now lead you totally by the inner man and the inner leading. And so Elijah says, listen, I hear something. I know God's getting ready to do something in my life. I'm getting stirred up on the inside. I hear the sound of abundance, but i got to locate it now in the natural. It's getting ready to manifest. And so he sends a servant out, and he sends him out one time, and he comes back, and he says it's not there. But the prophet's not discouraged because now his hearing is more trustworthy than his seeing is. And so as he hears the sound of abundance of rain, he is so sure it's there in the natural that he sends this man back three different times looking for it. And that's where God has some of you at. You know for a fact that God has something better for you. You know for a fact that what you used, the way you used to live is no good anymore because God wants to kill, dead, silenced, put away in the coffin, buried and out of your sight. Many of us have been trying to kill it on our own, and that won't happen. Huh? You know, how, you know why we like, we like to kill stuff and then take it out of the box and look at it again? Huh? Half dead. We get in, shake it out, and say, come back again. I like you. Huh? So God can't trust us to kill it. We have to offer it up to him and let him kill it. And when he kills it, it's murdered. Trust me. And so if we would allow him to kill that part of us that still craves the natural, still craves and doesn't want to trust that we can only hear and know he's our source. We don't like to be blinded for very long. huh? Well, God, I've been praying for so and so. Just, just send me a confirmation. Send me a token for good, Lord. Send me something. So let me know. Let me see. No, you're only going to hear from now on. Until I make it visible. And so when he hears the sound of abundance of rain, he is so blinded to the natural. The natural has been so bad for so long, he doesn't desire it anymore. And so he can only go by what he hears. And he keeps hearing this sound. This sound is nagging. You keep saying to yourself, you know, I keep thinking God wants me to do something else, but I just don't know what it is. I just keep believing that God has something else for me, but I'm not sure what it is. God's going to change my job, but I'm not sure when he's going to do it. But I know something in me tells me that there's something better for me up the road. And so that sound of abundance begins to get clearer and clearer and clearer. And the prophet putting his head between his knees means that he's bowing himself before God in prayer. 
So he has to continue to pray it through and intercede it through. And as he intercedes, he's gaining strength. And the young man says, it's not there. He said, no, it's right here. It's going to come right now. Sometimes God wants you to know that now is your time for your breakthrough and your blessing. Now is your time for your abundance, but you've got to stay with it. Don't don't say, I know it's coming real soon, and then walk away from it and say, no, nah, that wasn't it. Because God will have to revive that hearing again. You know, sometimes you feel like your your answer is right there, and it, it is almost right there, and then you'll go away from it for months at a time. And you say, I thought it was right there. How come I didn't get it yet? It's because you didn't pursue it the way. He said, go back again. And go back again and again. And if it had, if he had come back for the 15th time and said it wasn't there, he said, go back again. I know it's there. Because God won't lie to me. He didn't take all of this away from me and have me sacrifice all of this and confront all this nonsense in my life and lay down all the carnality, all my own wishes and desires to leave me empty-handed. I know it's there. I've heard the sound of abundance. This God that, that burn up this sacrifice by fire, that's God. And that God is the one that I choose to serve. And that God put that sound of abundance in my heart. I know it's there somewhere. I know it's there. Sometimes we'll let it lie dormant for years. But I'm telling you, if you'll pursue, if you've done the obedience, if you've confronted carnality, if you've allowed God to put things in your heart and not try to add anything to or to try to get him to co-sign your little what you want to do, if you've done what God wants you to do, then there must be, there must, there must, there must come the sound of abundance. There must come. And I know it comes to all of us. And what happens sometimes is we'll pursue it for a while and discouragement will set in. That's some of those, those false words that will come to us. Well, you've got to kill the false prophets. Why do you think he had him kill all 450 of them? So they wouldn't be able to speak to the people anymore and confuse them. So you've got to kill all those voices that are contrary to the sound of abundance. And you've got to hang in there with the sound of God's blessing, the abundance that he wants you to have. You make the choice. He said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? How long are you going to let the voices of lack talk to you and say, how long are you going to let the voices that have told you all your life that God would never use you, nobody wants you, you can't do anything, look at you, that messed up again. You've got to kill the false prophet that speaks in your head. That tells you you'll never make it. That tells you God doesn't want to use you. That tells you your children are going to grow up and be an embarrassment to you. You've got to kill that nonsense. And you can't halt between two opinions anymore. You've got to choose that the Lord who answers by fire is God. The one who told you what to get rid of out of your life. That's the one who's God. The one who told you come over here and spend more time with me. Kill that old stuff in your life. That's God. That's the voice that will bring you also the sound of abundance in your life. And so you've got to stop listening to two voices. One tells you there's lack, but hang on to what you've got because you're not going to get any more. And the other tells you, you know what, forget about that. Put that down. Get up and go serve me and worship me and I'll bless you abundantly. You just hang in and do it. And do it for the rest of your life and be committed to do it every day, day in and day out, and you will have abundance. 
Sometimes we don't get the abundance we're looking for because as soon as the other voice comes, we drop what we're doing for God and go follow after what we see. Huh? Happens every time. But I'm telling you, there's coming a voice, a sound that's going to tell you that God says, this is the way, walk you in it. This is where I am over here. I've got this for you, and this is something you've never seen before. This is something that, that Barb scared to prophesy to you about. Huh? It's so wonderful. Because you might make her responsible for her words. But God has that for you. See, it's over and above the word that can be spoken even by the utterance of somebody who serves God. So this is something that he will put in your heart that only you and he know about. But I'm telling you, you've got to keep pursuing it. The minute you get the sound of it, that it's coming for you, that this is something God has for you, you've got to pursue it and let God show you that he is God. Because he has abundance for each and every one of us. Anything that he's told you he wants you to do, he wants it done first class, all the way, abundantly, more than enough, more, more than enough. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. In the fruit of the Spirit, with his joy and with his peace, you'll be able to enjoy it. You'll be able to invite other people into it and have abundance for them to enjoy as well. And that's what God has for each and every one of us. But we've got to silence the false prophet in us. We've got to silence that voice that says it's not for you. It says you don't measure up. God can't use you. Who do you think you are? You've got to kill that thing. And once that thing is killed and the sound of abundance comes loud and clear, then you can follow it up. You can go grab it. You can say, uh-uh, I've heard his voice. I know it. I may have lost the scent of it a couple times, but it's coming again. Some of the things God's told you that are for you and you drop the scent of it, it's coming again. And it's going to keep coming again and again and again until you reach on to it. How many of you have things that you know? That you want from God. You've asked him for it even when you saw no sign that it was coming for you. And you felt in your heart and you knew that you believed that you received when you prayed. And there comes a sound of abundance toward it and it gets away from you. Well, God's going to take that away. You're going to get confident now. You're going to find out what it is that's going to bring you back into where that voice is strong and you hear it on a consistent basis. Some of you, it's, it's things to do with, with relationships. Some of you, it's, it's things to do with um, material things, with careers and jobs. I don't care what it is, whatever it is. There's a promise. There's something on the altar that you created with God way back when you were so devoted to him. It was only you and him. It's in those moments that there's a pure altar created. And there's enough uh, flesh burnt off and dross that's burnt off of it where that, that voice that comes between you and God, it pleases him and he says, this heart is totally devoted to me. I'm going to release it to you. And in the waiting period, sometimes we're distracted by things of the world and we're not quite as devoted anymore. And that sound gets dim. And God's going to show you how to get that sound closer to you so that all you do is follow the sound of abundance in your heart. It's going to ring louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. It'll it'll drown out the false prophet's voice that tells you can't have it. 
It'll drown out that voice of condemnation that when you miss it, it makes you think you'll never get it back. It's irretrievable. It's going to drown that out because God wants to do a totally new thing if you will let him. So why don't you let me have some. Brenda, do you want to play? I forgot you were here. Why don't you uh, play for us? Thank you, Jesus. Koriandaria, shia handaria. Kurata shia handaria, sikiriandaria, shia handaria, sikiriandaria. Kurandaria, shia handaria, sikiriandaria, harabosia handaria. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you. I ask you, Lord, to make this real. 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 Make this real to your people, Lord. Make it real to them, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, I have a sense that, that most of you know what it is that you desire from God. Some of it's material, some of it's relationship, some of it's a mixture of both. And my feeling is that some of you feel that some of this is so far away from your ability to do it that you just kind of shrug and say, well, you know, that sounds good, but I don't know about abundance. Maybe I just need to be satisfied with getting whatever I can get. And I just want to let you know that these things are not out of your realm of ability to do. This is something that you can do. God will never require too much of you. Some of you think it's hard for you to do. Some of you are afraid that God's going to take things away from you and not give them back. So you want to cast down that fear. You want to make sure that you embrace this for you. This is something for you. God wants to give you abundance. It can be abundance of understanding of his word. It can be abundance of revelation. It can be any kind of abundance that you need, but he wants to pour out to you so that you have more than enough of anything that you desire. Not just barely enough. And Some of you say, well, I think I've got enough in my life. You know, money is not my problem. Well, this isn't about problems. This is about going to a higher level, a higher purpose, partnering with God and what he wants to do in your life. And that means abundance in some area where maybe you're satisfied and maybe you don't feel lack. But he wants to take you higher in the abundance and fear is keeping you out. If that's you, come on up because I want to pray for you and take care of fear of abundance And that feeling that you need to stay where you are, you want to stay complacent because it's safe. If you don't recognize that there's danger in some safety, you'll never get free. So the fear needs to go so that you can understand that this is for you. This is for you. This is for you. God did this for you. He wants all of his children to live in the abundance that he has for you. And sometimes what he asks you to confront is so minor, you'll think, is that all it was? That was, you know, in the Bible where it's, you know, we've all heard, read this scripture. 
when Satan is finally exposed, when he's finally put put away, people are going to look at him and say, "Is that the is that the devil that drove me crazy for all those years and made me think I was nothing? Is that what that is?" And it may be that with what it is that God wants you to let go of.